welcome to episode 44 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. I'm your host, John O'Halloran, a.k.a. Chalk Dinosaur. And um, I wanted to make an episode detailing um, our recent expedition to Denver and Indianapolis. Uh, I wanted to do this while the details were still pretty fresh in my mind. Because this is all uh, this is all new for us, so figured it might be nice to uh, maybe talk a little bit about how it went, what went right, what went wrong, how it felt, things like that. Um, this show was was significant for well these these two shows. This this weekend was significant for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them was these are the last shows of the summer that we're playing so it it caps off a very eventful and busy and uh pretty rigorous summer for us um we've played more than we've ever played and um you know we're we're trying to give this thing a shot so it was significant for that reason you know it's a last shows of the summer so it felt like a you know good accomplishment and then the other reason was that these were uh, the Denver show. It was our first experience doing a fly date, which is what they call a show that you fly into. Um, you know, for for bigger bands or for any any band that's you know a tr- like a standard rock band type of arrangement. It, it's very. I feel like it gets exponentially harder to do fly dates, but since me and Nick have a set um, and we perform as a two-piece, um, you know, in addition to the the four-piece, but the the touring and the traveling and stuff, we've been doing it as a two-piece, and that actually is plausible for us to do a fly date, which kind of blew my mind because I I really didn't see how that would be feasible to you know fly somewhere and get plane tickets and hotel and whatever and and actually make money um you know not just you know not only not lose a lot of money but to actually come home with some money it was pretty eye-opening that that could even happen especially for for an artist at our uh stature But, you know, thanks to our manager, Rob, and our booking agent, Sam, you know, they made that work and um, negotiated a deal that allowed us to do that. So thanks to them, because, I mean, that opens a lot of doors if we can fly somewhere and play. And it also makes it, you know, a lot more appealing to play in more further away places you know, not having to drive there. But we were also, you know, fortunate in this scenario because my brother Joe and our sister-in-law, Nicole, live in Denver. So they uh, they let us stay at their place on Thursday night, which was very nice of them. And also we didn't have to pay for a hotel. So that was, that was nice. Very nice. Um... So the Denver show was on Friday, and the indie show was on Saturday. So 
the plan, like the logistics were that we were going to drive on Thursday morning from Pittsburgh to Indianapolis airport, six hour drive to Indy, uh, to their airport. So we drive to the airport and then we catch a plane from Indy to Denver. And then, so we arrive in Denver on Thursday in the afternoon and that gave us some time, gave us like a, an evening to relax and get to hang out with my brother Joe and his wife Nicole, um, get a good night's sleep. And then on Friday, the day of the show, we took an Uber from my brother's house to the venue, New Conscious, and we played the show. And then due to our lack of foresight, we didn't have enough time to sleep that night, um, like to to go back and sleep somewhere. So we just went straight from New Conscious. Uh, we went straight from the venue in Denver to the Denver airport and slept at the gate um, for maybe an hour and then caught our flight from Denver back to the Indianapolis airport where our car was parked. And then, so we, we landed in Indy, we got back in the car and we drove, it took about an hour to get to Harmony Valley, which was the festival that we were going to play on Saturday. So let's see. Yeah. Drive from Pittsburgh to Indy, fly from Indy to Denver, play the show, fly back to Indy, drive to the venue in Indy and play the show on Saturday, sleep the night uh, at the festival, and then drive home to Pittsburgh on Sunday. And that all worked. I'm very grateful we didn't have any delays. We didn't have any traffic jams. There was no flat tire or like car trouble. You know, everything went very smoothly. It was, uh, it was poor planning on our part just to have um, accepted both of those offers because we did not think it through enough that we weren't going to have much time to really sleep during this um, you know, the 24 to 48 hours between Denver and Indy, it was going to be very low sleep. Um, so the plan was, I mean, for me, I tried to stay up as late as I can, late as I could on Thursday night. That was the night before the Denver show. Cause we were also went through time zone. So it was earlier. Um, and that show was so late on Denver. Was, we started playing at 2 AM, 2 to 4 AM. So I tried to stay up as late as I could, uh, watched Rambo, went to sleep around four o'clock Denver time, woke up around noon. Then I ended up taking a nap a little bit later for a couple hours, tried to just get as much sleep as I could before we left to go play that show. Because I knew that once we finished that show, the only chance I was going to have to sleep was probably going to be at the airport before we boarded our flight and then on the plane which you know that's they're both not ideal but and that that's our fault that we did not consider <laughs> I mean we knew it was going to be an after party the Denver show and we knew we were going to have to fly out the next day but I guess we didn't really think about it enough maybe we didn't think about how late it would actually go till 4 a.m. and then we also didn't consider the fact that the latest flight we could find out of Denver was at 10 a.m. So, you know, if you do the whole two hours recommendation, get to the airport at eight, that means we probably needed to leave for the airport at seven. 
and you know our show we finished around i think quarter after four and then we needed to we needed to pack up we needed to pretty much just yeah like you know pack our stuff up and and spend a little time talking to some of the people that were there the staff my brother and sister-in-law some of the people who are chalk dinosaur listeners that came out and so you know by the time we would have gotten out of we ended up catching an uber out of new conscious at 5 30. Uh, that's when we left the venue to go to the airport 5 30. but you know there would have been no time really to you know say we gotta say we went back to my brother's house at 5 30 in the morning and got there at got to bed by six we'd have to wake up in an hour it was just like let's just go to the airport and try to try to sleep at the gate um and that you know we did sleep a little bit at the gate we found there there were a couple seats that didn't have armrests and uh you know there was not a lot of people in the airport that early in the morning so i i slept for maybe an hour and i don't i actually don't know if Nick was able to get to sleep, but he did sleep on the plane for a little bit. I did not sleep on the plane, but he did. And, um, yeah, the new conscious show itself was, it was great. That venue was very cool. It was, it was kind of like an art gallery. I think it's classified as an art gallery, which provides some kind of legal loophole for them to stay up and have alcohol and music and stuff so late or something but um the owner was super nice really supportive really had a lot of nice encouraging things to say uh, as did a lot of the other staff and and people that were there it was also nice because they seemed to have you know a built-in crowd somewhat people just will go there because they like the place and they like the people there um so it was it was good it was like 150 to 200 people maybe um which i mean for a headlining show in denver that's our our first time that's pretty that's very 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 nice um that there were people there and, and that they liked it but i mean the 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 dj producer that we shared the bill with was called dino hunter and it's a producer from Colorado, so I'm sure he had some friends and knew some people that that were there as well. Um, but it was very cool. I got to talk to several people that were Chalk Dinosaur listeners from Denver or from somewhere else, and they live in Denver now. But, you know, citizens of Denver who were Chalk Dinosaur listeners, that was really cool. Um, one couple had seen Chalk Dinosaur at Peach Fest. The other, they may have been from Pittsburgh, but moved to Denver um, 10 years ago or something. I don't know. It was just cool to talk to people who knew about Chalk Dinosaur and listened to it. And, um, but yeah, Dino Hunter, it was cool to get to play with them besides the obvious, you know, similarities in the name. The, uh, we know them because 
we played at a festival called Electric Forest in 2018, and Dino Hunter was one of the the bands on the bill. At the time, it was a trio. Currently, it's just Clark, who is the producer, saxophone guy, who um, they've pivoted to just all straight electronic DJ, uh, purely a DJ um, entity. But at the time that we saw them, it was a trio. It was bass, drums, and then Clark, the producer, uh, saxophone guy. And it was I really liked how they did that hybrid type of electronic live band uh, mashup. Um, and it was, you know, it's always cool to see another band that does that because, especially when they do it really well, because it's, you know, it's similar to what I was trying to, to do. And also just, just cool to see how other people do it and how they mix electronic music and live performance. And um, so our, our older brother's friend happened to know the bass player and he was, he was associated with him and they, they grew up together or something. So they introduced us to the bass player, Fred, I believe his name is. And, um, but I never met Clark at Electric Force, just Fred. And we talked for a bit, um, mostly just introductory kind of stuff. And, but it was cool to that we ended up playing with Dino Hunter, uh, you know, all these years later, five years now. But yeah, the show went really great. Everybody was really nice there, and the crowd was really good. The sound was amazing. Um, the sound system was really, really good there. And uh, I had to keep checking on my gear during the opener set because there was so much bass that my stuff was like shifting and like I, I had to keep checking on it to make sure it wasn't gonna you know my keyboard wasn't gonna fall off the stand or something because it was it was all like shifting around from the vibration but it, it didn't it was uh it all worked out i had a couple issues that i had to figure out or get through during that show had more more surprise problems than at pretty much any other show I've played. And the first problem was one of my instruments, the the drum pad that I hit, I kind of use it like a keyboard. It plays, it plays whatever I want it to play whenever I hit the thing. For most of the songs, it's like some kind of melodic flute sample or bell sound. And I play it kind of like a keyboard, like a marimba or something. But that thing, the SBD, that's what it's called. <clears throat> For some reason, it would be working and then the sound would cut out. And then it'd be working again and then the sound would cut out. And I couldn't figure out why, what was going on. Um, and that happened, uh, it actually happened earlier in the week when I was preparing. And then it stopped happening. And I never knew what, why it did that. But it, it, it stopped happening. And I you know, was practicing and everything was normal. So I didn't really think about it again. And then at the show, when we were sound checking, it was happening again. And I didn't know how to make it 
you know, not do that. So I had to troubleshoot that problem. My initial, so, so what I did was I was, I was hitting the pads and I could see that it was making sound because I could see like the light bulbs light up on the Octatrack, which is what it plugged into. It's kind of like receiving the audio from it. But anyway, I could see that I was making sound and I checked this by plugging my headphones into the back of the drum machine and I could hear it was working normally. The drum machine was not the problem. So I started looking at the Octatrack, which is the sampler. It's the thing that plays all of the backing tracks and loops and like all the keyboards plug into it. It's like the brain nerve center. It controls everything. Um, so the problem was coming from there. And I, I was running out of time to figure out how to fix it. So my quick fix was just to, instead of plug the SPD into the Octatrack, I just unplugged it and plugged it directly into the mixer, which is right next to it. And, and then I just had to like get the volume, try to match the volume, uh, you know, try to get the, the volume right for it. I don't know if this is making any sense, but the point was, I guess, that that was a problem that I had not encountered. Um, I guess I had encountered it, but I thought it just like went away. I hadn't solved it. And then it, it, it reappeared at the show and I had to figure out what to do. And I had a solution and then I continued looking in the Octatrack and I eventually discovered what the problem was and it wasn't a problem. There was, everything was working fine. It was a user error on my part. I had one setting incorrect, or like I had one weird setting set that I didn't know. I was unaware that it was set like that and it was causing that to happen. But got it all figured out, everything, I felt great that I figured out what the problem was so it's, it's not a malfunction. I don't need to like replace anything. Everything's working fine, it was just a user error. So I felt good about that, but that was, um, that was just the first issue. The second issue occurred <laughs> during the second song of the set. I, I was clicking on my delay, my, I have two delay pedals, delay, like an echo pedal. It's very integral to the sound of a lot of the songs because I do a lot of these rhythmic delay patterns that create these arpeggio type sounds um you know like that guy from u2 edge it's a very rhythmic style and it's very you know you need this delay pedal to do it and i i got to the second song of the set where you know that um effect it, that's the first song where it's used so second song in the set, I click on the pedal and like nothing happens to the sound. It's not working. I can see the pedals turning on, but it's like it's not connected or something. Um, it's just not, nothing's happening when I click this effect on. And then I look a little closer as I'm playing the song. Like, so it's not working. So I just have to abandon what I normally play and try and just like play something else which in this scenario, 
it was pretty similar, but I just um, played like 16th note. I tried to like imitate what that pedal sounds like. But as I was doing that, I was looking at the pedal and I saw that it just, it actually wasn't connected. Like there were no audio cables going into it. So I had totally bypassed that pedal. Like there was no, the guitar was not going through that pedal at all. It was powered, it was turned on, but the guitar like did not go into that pedal at all. I had just forgotten to connect it to the signal chain. So I felt very, uh, very dumb at that point, but also uh, I'm glad that, you know, the pedal's not broken. I just forgot to connect it and it was good to know that early in the set that pedal was not going to be available and I was going to have to figure out an alternative. So what I ended up doing, I have another delay pedal on the board, my pedal board, but I use that one more as like a thickener, an emulsifier of sound, something to make, you know, leads and mostly just leads like sound bigger and it's got echo and it just like blooms out, just makes it sound bigger. If I'm playing a lead, I click on this delay, but it doesn't have a tempo control, like a tap tempo is what they call it, where you can tap your foot on this button and it measures the beat, like the, te the tempo. And then all of the echoes are timed up, you know, perfectly with that tempo. So that's what I need a tap tempo for. That's why I have two delays. One of them is like a, a tempo synced delay and the other one's just like a thickener, a dimension increaser, expander. But fortunately, the delay that was working on my board that was hooked up, it's it was the Carbon Copy, Carbon Copy Mini, actually, but it was a Carbon Copy, which I'm very familiar with. I, I kind of know, because I used to play with just that pedal, and I kind of knew where to set the, like, the, the, the speed knob to, um, to match up with some of the tempos that we were playing at. Anyway, this is getting too technical here, but it worked. I was able to play with just that delay and make it work. It wasn't ideal, but it was it was good enough. And then the third problem that arose was about um, maybe halfway through the set, three quarters of the way. It was about three quarters of the way through the set. Um, my guitar just like f the strap like pulled out, and the guitar just like fell off my back onto the ground. And um, I thought the strap had just fallen off. Like, um, I thought for some reason, like, the thing that holds the strap, like, I thought the strap just slipped off and I'd be able to just put the strap back on the button because on a guitar, on an electric guitar, there's two strap buttons. They look, they screw into the wood and it looks like, it's something that you can fasten a strap onto, like a button. Um, so I thought I just needed to, you know, put the strap back on. But when I looked down at my guitar, I saw that the whole strap button and the screw that holds it in to the wood were not there. It had like stripped out. It had pulled out of the guitar, the body of the guitar. So 
which was unfortunate because now I knew I can't just put the strap back on. I have to find the screw and like screw it back in, screw the button back into the guitar, and then I can put the strap back on. So for, and this was during a segment of the set where there wasn't really any breaks. Everything was, there was no breaks for me to do this. So I was, so I just was kneeling and playing for, I think like three songs. I was uh, just kneeling and trying to hit the pedals with my knees, um, which it actually worked, you know, somewhat. I was a little bit surprised that it that worked, but it was a uh, a little bit flustering. And while I was down there uh, uh, kneeling and playing guitar, I I looked down and I saw the screw that I needed to find. And I, I picked the screw up when I had like a break and I screwed it, screwed the button back in the strap button and then reattached my strap and I was able to stand up and play the rest of the show, which was, which is great. And, uh, I don't think anybody, I, I don't think most of the people knew what was going on. They, I talked to some people and they thought I was kneeling for like, I was posing like I was, um, you know, just doing that for some other reason, but it was because I, the strap wasn't on and I couldn't couldn't hold a guitar. Um, so anyway, I was pretty happy that I was able to play through that disaster. It was a mini disaster, but it was still like, well, one, I'm I'm glad my guitar didn't break or anything. It fell, you know, fell off my back, and you know that's why I brought the the old guitar that's my my beater my old Schecter that was my first guitar and it's uh super solid super tough it didn't even go out of tune when it fell off my back and onto the ground so that guitar is just I I love that guitar I love my Gibson ES335 those are my only two electric guitars in there I love them both but I brought the I brought the Schecter, my first guitar, much cheaper, much, it'd be way easier to replace that guitar if it, something happened to it, like the neck snapped on the flight or something. But, um, so yeah, so made it through those three, those were kind of my three major curveballs that occurred for me. And Nick also had a bit of curveball that he had to deal with and this was this was like at the same time that I was on the ground I was on the ground playing because of the strap you know blew off and then I looked over and Nick was Nick was Nick had like a symbol in his hand it was the hi-hat and he was something had come off with the hi-hat stand and he was trying to like reattach it while we were playing the song and um I remember it was during sun goes down I could see him there was this part where it's like it's a bit of a breakdown and it's building up and I could see him like racing to try to get the hi-hat back together before you know like the beat came back in. So that was uh that was that was pretty suspenseful, but he got it back just in time to come in when he needed to come in and So I think those those were all the curveballs that we we had going on at New Conscious, but I'm very, uh, you know, proud that we were able to make it through and, 
you know, still play a good show. Everybody seemed to really like it. And um, we got a lot of very encouraging comments about it from, you know, the audience and staff and owner. It was great. Um, so once we're done with the show and we're all packed up and we've, you know, had a chance to chat a little bit with everyone, we catch our Uber at 5.30 in the morning, which we had scheduled the night before. We catch our Uber, takes us to the airport, and then we, you know, breeze through security and get to our gate and try to get a little bit of sleep. We have a two or two hours maybe until boarding. So we sleep for about an hour. Now our strategy, our packing strategy for the for the flight was I'm pretty proud of it because we were able to play pretty much the same show that we play anywhere but with a lot less you know but w with only enough gear to that we could fit in two check bags two carry-ons and um like backpack so I mean, this is only possible because we we were provided with a backline. I was doing air quotes when I said backline in case you couldn't tell by the tone of my voice. But for anyone that's not a musician, a performing musician and listening, the backline is what they call like the drums and the amplifiers. So they had they provided us with the backline. So we didn't have to bring drums and uh, we didn't have to bring a guitar amp. They provided those for us. So all we had to bring was, well, I had to bring a guitar. I had to bring my effects pedal board. I had to bring a keyboard, which I usually play with two, but I experimented with only playing with one for, for this show, just out of necessity. Um, the Behringer DeepMind 6. And I chose this keyboard because of the size of it. Like I was looking for a keyboard that would be able to do basically what my old keyboard could do, which was a Moog Little Fatty. I needed something to replace that that was smaller but could pretty much do make the same sounds. And Behringer DeepMind 6 was the one that could fill that role. And it also is very compact, so I could actually fit that in a checked luggage bag. It had to be the... It worked out very perfectly because... So our flights, we flew United. Um, and, you know, each ticket, if you pay 35 bucks or something, you get a checked bag. And that checked bag can be up to 50 pounds. And there's certain dimensions for length, width, and height that it can be. So I, I got the biggest bag that fit in the normal baggage dimension requirements. Um, and very fortunately, my keyboard, the DeepMind 6, I put that keyboard, it has a case. I put it in the case, like a hard case. And I put that in the checked baggage suitcase because... It needed to be in a case. I, I I needed that keyboard to be in a case because God knows what happens to those bags 
Um, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> they're not handled gently. So I wanted to make sure that the instruments were in a case inside of the suitcase. And this suitcase happened to be exactly the right size to fit my keyboard in its case. Like there was no inches to spare. It was, it was, it was like kind of bulging a little bit, but it fit in the suitcase and we put, you know, I had to put my talk box, the SPD, which is that the drum pad that I use, all the cabling we needed. And we got everything into those two uh, checked bags. And they were both like, it was like 47 pounds was one of them. The other one was like 40. So we were so close to the, to the limit. I mean, if it was over 50 pounds, we would have had to, you know, we still could have checked it. It just would have. We would have had to pay an oversized bag fee, which I don't, I don't know how much that is, but it was just, it was cool to see how close we, how much little fat there was on this fly, fly setup. And so normally, so what I was describing earlier, the Octatrack and the mixer, these two things that are kind of like the nerve center, like the brain of our live set the core of our sound, the thing that where all the sound is coming from. Um, I usually have that in a case to, and it's usually set up to my left on stage, but this case I, I was initially planning, okay, I'll just, you know, if that's about the size of a carry on, we'll bring that. But it turns out after I measured it, it was, it was two inches too long. It was 24 inches long and, the limit for carry-on was 22. Um, and I felt like nobody's going to measure it. Like we could probably just bring it. But then I was like, I'm not going to take that risk that they're going to make me check that thing and possibly get it destroyed. The thing was I wanted to have the Octatrek with me as my carry-on or as Nick's carry-on because that is the one piece that, that would not be able to be replaced uh, easily. Like if I lost a keyboard, we could still play the show. I'd just play all guitar. If I, if I lost my, well, so what we ended up carrying on was I carried on my guitar. Nick carried on my pedal board. And then in my backpack, I had the Octatrack with all the, the MIDI cables and like, I just had to like deconstruct my case and just put all the separate components into my backpack and that worked. But the thing was, if I, if we don't have the Octatrack, then there's, we can't play the show. But you know, if I'm missing the drum pad or anything in the checked luggage, we could still play the show. So that was the idea there. But um, also just, yeah, trying to figure out what arrangement of care, like what goes in checked and what goes in carry on would like allow for, would all like be the right amount of space and, you know, would meet all the uh, limitations of what's allowed for carry on and checked. And I'm very happy that it all worked out. We arrived in Denver with all our gear. We had everything. I was a little bit worried that we were going to realize we forgot something important at some point, but we had everything we needed. 
And what we needed from the venue, they had that. So they had the drum set, they had the cymbals, they had the guitar amp, and they had some keyboard stands, which were, and an extra cymbal stand. They had all the things that we requested um, in order to be able to set up and play. I was prepared for what to do if we showed up and they did not have a guitar amp because we were not we weren't getting any confirmation on that. Um, we were just assuming that you know it was understood that we need those things to play and um, that that's what we had agreed to. But if if we showed up and there was no guitar amp or the guitar amp broke or something, I would have just we would have just plugged the guitar directly into the mixing board which you know i've recorded guitar that way and you know lots of hit records have been made that way no guitar amp just straight into the mixer but um it's not ideal but uh it would have worked it would have still worked and if they if we would have gotten there and they didn't have the keyboard stands that i requested i you know if i had to put my stuff on a chair or on the floor you know, it still would have been okay, just would have been not ideal. But everything worked out. Played that Denver show, it went really well, and then we got to the airport and made our flight to Indy. Um, so in Indy, the, the venue, this was a first-year festival called Harmony Valley, and it was actually organized by a promoter who also books at the Mousetrap, which is a venue in Indianapolis. And it's very interesting. All these all these people are interconnected. All of the promoters, all of the venue owners, they all know each other. It seems like it's a very interconnected network. So, um, you know, you know, I feel like it's building a relationship with these people is uh it just like helps in ways that you know i would have had no i would have had no idea that this person knew that person or that this person was involved in this festival or that this venue owner was involved in that festival um you know i i never really understood that but <clears throat> so now hopefully these two shows we played will help open up some more doors for some other events or some other locations that we can play um but yeah, Harmony Valley was held at, it looked like, it reminded me of Camp Conoquy, which was a summer camp that I went to, like an overnight summer camp that I went to as a, as a youngin, as a young little chitlin. And, uh, because, you know, there was a, there was a, a big red building, like a barn type building and it, it just reminded me of like, oh, that would have been like the cafeteria where we would have gone to eat. And then they had all these cabins with like, you know, the one that we, they put us up in a cabin. That was part of the deal. They gave us a place to sleep. And it was, it was just me and Nick in like a 10 bunk cabin, but you know, it had air conditioning, had a mattress. And fortunately I still had two sleeping bags in my car. So we were warm. We was comfortable. We weren't too warm, but we also weren't cold. We were at the perfect temperature and, um, man, it felt great. We were able to get full night of sleep after our set at Harmony Valley. 
But um, yeah, Harmony Valley. It, it was like a very summer camp, literal summer camp feeling place. And the stages, there was like one, one pretty big stage and they had like a very nice lighting rig and it looked very cool. I took some pictures there on the Instagram. And then there was a stage about 20 yard to the side of it. And that was, it was a smaller stage. There was no roof on it. Still looked cool at night. There was, they set up lights around it and like lit up the trees. All of this stuff was like, you know, we were like immersed in trees in like a, a woods, a wooded environment. Apparently there was some water. There was a water feature somewhere nearby. I saw on one of the buildings, there was like life jackets and kayaks and stuff, but I, we did not see the water. Um, but yeah, the stages were next to each other and they did a back and forth between these two stages, which I love that format where, so one stage is there, there's a band playing on one stage and while that band is playing, they are setting up the stage next to it. So the, the band, you know, is setting up their stuff on the stage next to it. So then whenever one stage ends, the other stage is ready to begin. And so it's just, as soon as one show ends, the show on the next stage begins. And since the stages were next to each other, you could just stay in the same area and see every show. There's no overlap. And you, and you have plenty of time to set up your equipment because, you know, you've got, you've got the length of the entire band before you to set up your equipment and set up the stage, which super luxurious to be able to do that. And sound guy, Justice, his name was Justice, and he was a... Uh, super nice very good and he 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 was very enthusiastic and excited to do sound for us because he i don't know if he had been a listener or if he had heard about us i feel like he had listened to some of it but he was he was just excited to work with us and that was just a very nice just a nice feeling whenever that happens because at these festivals their schedules are insane the the people working them they're totally insane like uh incredibly long days very little sleep uh it's it's uh hard to imagine um after when i talked to some of these people especially like at summer camp i was talking to some of the stage work people who were working the stage that we played and it was just mind-blowing um you know working until you know 4 a.m 5 a.m. after you get everything closed up and then having to be back at the stage at like nine in the morning and doing that for several days it's it was a it's pretty pretty dang impressive amazing I, I don't know never really realized um just the mad hours that they work uh you know these stage crews doing these festivals and stuff so my point is it's very understandable after knowing that, like, you know, you've got a sound engineer or a stage crew that looks very tired, maybe uninterested, um, looks like they're just worn out and maybe not in the best mood. You know, that makes total sense. But at the same time, it makes it very, very nice and very, it means a lot um, whenever, like, it seems significant whenever I meet 
stage crew employees of a of an event or of a venue whenever i come across them that are enthusiastic energetic excited to work because you know i'm sure they've had a long weekend and so that that feels good and it it did feel good um to have be met with you know enthusiasm on the sound engineer side it's always nice when that happens so yeah harmony valley it was i don't know how many people it was maybe 500 500 people 500 2000 and it was cool because we knew a lot of people there and that's always cool too um we felt very at home there uh there was you know someone from our booking agency pat who was who was there there was adam berta the photographer who's he's photographed us a few times and he's most famously known for his work uh traveling with goose f photographing them and their concerts um and then disco which is a band that we've been crossing paths with a lot and we end up ended up on the same booking agency and we've been seeing a lot of them recently which was great they're some of the nicest people that we've met and we appreciate what they do and seems like they appreciate what we do so it's a it's a nice uh nice relationship and we so you know after the show after the shows were over you know we we hung out with adam the photographer and disco and we're talking about you know music and strategy and it was very cool to be um you know in that type of hangout where you know you're just uh, around a bunch of creatives and you know you're obviously talking about random and stupid stuff but also quite a bit of talk about you know the craft and uh, performing and writing and getting to talk to people about that is great because you know there aren't a lot of those people out there um that's not a conversation that i typically can have all the time you know it's uh you know i know my my bandmates and then i know a lot of musicians in pittsburgh but i'm i'm not usually hanging out with them and so to be able to hang out and talk about that stuff was very cool and i appreciated that a lot and um uh we ran into the bear fuzz guys briefly they were on their way out they had played earlier but that's a columbus band that was very very nice to us and helped kind of break us into columbus and we played with them a few times at the summit and they've kind of been like our columbus hosts um so that was uh it's cool to see them but we didn't really get to hang out with them because they were they were just on their way out as we as we uh, arrived and we're getting settled in but got to meet some other musicians that i'm going to be crossing paths with i met someone from houseplant which is a band from louisville 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 sorry they were trying to 
teach me how to say Louisville the the right way. Um, anyway, we're going to be playing with them and Disco in November at the Vogue Theater, I think. Or it's just called the Vogue. I can't remember, but it's in Indianapolis. Um, so hopefully... Us playing Harmony Valley will have attracted some more locals that we can, you know, will help us have good attendance at this disco slash houseplant show in November. <clears throat> but yeah, Harmony Valley was great. People really uh, were really nice after the show. They And they really seemed to enjoy what we were doing um, while we were playing, which... You know, that always feels great. Look, I was, you know, looking out there, I was seeing people were dancing, people were playing with their their light-up flow things, you know, doing crazy hooping, poi, people spinning fire. It was very cool. And I felt like the kind of music we were playing was very appropriate for that. So I, it, was, uh, it was nice. We had one major mess up during that set, and it was a bad one. Uh, and it, it was like the last song we were playing, Year of the Dragon. And again, it was due to user error, but, you know, the the audio that was coming out of the octet track, you know, as a two-piece, you know, I'm playing guitar and then Nick's playing drums and then everything else is coming out of the octet track. You know, bass, like percussion. It's just... um as I said, it's like the centerpiece. And um, I had set something wrong. I had made a new project file in this machine. And I should have tested it before I left. I should have gone through the whole set and tested it. But, you know, this isn't a common issue, but it has happened before. I think it was at practice, though, where I start it and it's totally out of sync with the metronome. Because the Octatrack provides a metronome, it keeps everything together, but it was it was a uh, totally out of sync, and it was like playing at the wrong tempo, but the metronome was playing at a different tempo. It was super confusing what was going on, but it was <laughs> it was a train wreck. Like uh, we tried to play along with it, but it, we were we were both getting pretty confused and and having a hard time keep like knowing how to play to it when there was, we were getting different information about the tempo, like the, the metronome was a different speed than the track was playing. And like, there's a certain point where Nick stopped playing and I was contemplating like, hmm, I wonder if I should just stop this song and try to figure this out and then restart it. But it was a, I decided I mean, I wasn't really making a decision. I kind of was just reacting, and I just kept playing, and then Nick, you know, started playing again. And I, I, I think the thought of stopping a song and restarting it is really, uh, I guess that seemed more embarrassing than struggling through the song and playing it poorly. Um I probably should have stopped it and restarted it and just made a joke about it or something. 
but I I knew what the problem was as soon as the song was over and um I went and checked and it was you know something that I had you know every time you import a track into the OctaTrack like a an audio file in order for it to be properly synced up with the metronome that's in there in order for it to like properly sync everything you have to set the tempo of that track or audio and I had not done it with that track um, and it tries to guess the tempo but it never guesses it right so if so with every audio file you have stored in this machine it has data about what the tempo is of that and if that data is wrong which like you set that you can set you know what is the original tempo of you know lickety split and you know you, you scroll down to lickety split and you see it's a 125 bpm but i had uh i didn't realize that i hadn't done it for that track and if that's off like all of the it just goes everything's out of sync um and it's really uh it was definitely it was pretty cringy for us and it it was uh it was a you know very big mistake from from me um everything leading up to that i felt like i was playing a really good show and i felt like we as a group were playing a good show but even still like even still that song was like a train wreck like the last song we played well we played one more we had one little redemption track after year of the dragon and thankfully everything was fine with that so we didn't we didn't end completely on that mess up we had like you know a pretty cool ending segment that we did and that went fine but year of the dragon was a train wreck and but when we were talking to people after the show like it didn't seem to it didn't seem to really stick out to people like we we were even talking to some people like the first couple people that I talked to, I'm like, oh man, we messed up the last song so bad. Um, like that hasn't happened. We haven't messed up that bad in a long time. And, uh, and they were like, didn't even notice it or they didn't know what I was talking about. And uh, and then, you know, plenty of people were just like, came up and said how, how much they loved the set and like they thought it was awesome. And so, I mean, it felt good. Like people weren't, people weren't even acknowledging that it, we messed up really bad, even when we did. Um, they weren't acknowledging it or it didn't register. I don't know. It was, so I tried not to get too, you know, um, too bothered by it. I do like still think about it sometimes and like, I just have to like sh shake my head and like, you know, cringe. But, um, you know, for that to be like overall uh, uh, through the weekend, you know, playing on such short sleep and like for that to be the worst thing that happened is that's, you know, really good. I think for, I I'm happy with that. It went well, it was received well, both the shows played through a lot of adversity, but it's going to make us better because I know now what is, you know, where the source of the problems is like just it just educated me on some more areas where things could go wrong so that i can i can be aware of what i need to check and what i need to do to to make sure that doesn't happen again
because these were all avoidable things that happened. And so, you know, I need to check my guitar and make sure that the strap buttons are screwed in tightly or that they're not stripped so that, you know, my guitar doesn't fall off my back. I need to, you know, the reason I had that that issue with the pedal board was because, you know, I transferred all of my pedals from my big pedal board and I, I put them all on this compact little board. So I had to disconnect and reconnect everything again. And I thought I had done it all right, but I didn't check every pedal and I didn't play through the set completely before the, before the shows because we had just played all of these songs, you know, twice the previous week at Secret Dreams and Garifest. So we both felt very rehearsed on the material. We knew, we felt like we knew it really well. We didn't need to run through everything. But if I would have just run through it a little bit, a little bit more, I would have discovered that my pedal board wasn't hooked up right. I would have discovered that the one, that Year of the Dragon, the, the setting was wrong on it. And I would have discovered what was going on with the SPD and why it was like cutting in and out. I think I would have discovered all these things, but yeah, I mean, we had just played those two festivals the previous week, so it felt like we were ready to go. What I didn't account for was that because we changed the setup so much in order to fly there was a lot of things that gotten that got changed that uh that caused uh problems and but you know now i know what those are so and it it didn't you know it wasn't a total disaster like i i think overall the shows went great but it was definitely a learning experience it's very rigorous um and also a lot of fun like after the show on Saturday at Harmony Valley, you know, we knew that that was the last show of the summer for us and that we had, you know, finished this very insane spring and summer, see, like, performing season for us, which, you know, having just played so much more than we've ever played before, traveled so much more than we've ever traveled before. And so it was like a celebration, um, you know, we felt accomplished and we got to celebrate with a bunch of people that we've become friends with in the music scene. So that, that was really fun. We had a lot of fun <clears throat> on both nights. The only, I mean, the only part part was the lack of sleep and we try to get it when we could, but you know, that's also a learning point. Like we, that's our fault. We did not consider what the schedule might be like if we did this, we just knew that it was possible um, that we could drive to Indy and then fly to Denver and back. Um, <clears throat> but we didn't think hard enough about the actual like logistics of it, <laughs> uh, including like sleep and when the flights flew out and stuff. So that was a learning experience. It was hard. I mean, Secret Dreams and Garefest, that was that was rigorous too those two days in a row and that was hard uh, I feel like we did a lot of hard stuff this summer and uh, I feel like it's good it, it was it was never like 
too overwhelming or anything. Uh, as long as we just took it one weekend at a time and I didn't think too much about like too far in the future. Um, but it's good, you know, it required a lot of grit, required us to, you know, find some grit and, and grit through some things. And I think it's a, it was a character building summer and helped to kind of condition us a bit, get us in condition for, you know, playing, driving, traveling, all this stuff. Um, so I think it was, it was, it was a very successful summer, but very rigorous and very challenging at times, um, and exhausting at times, but we, uh, we did it and I feel proud of us and, um, hopefully it laid some good groundwork for next year and for the upcoming, you know, hopefully it just laid down some good groundwork for future shows. Hopefully we can get better opportunities, better time slots, better payment. Like hopefully it just gets better from here. And regardless, you know, I'm proud of us just for doing it and I feel like it laid some good groundwork within us as players, as performers, just getting a little more seasoned. Um, so very, I still feel very unseasoned, especially after what happened <laughs> with our big mistake at Harmony Valley. I felt very not professional there, but we, um, yeah, now we get a couple weeks two weeks until Firelights, which is our next performance. That's going to be with the full band, with Michael and John. It's near Erie, Pennsylvania. Ooh, just hit the mic. It's a, it's a festival near Erie, Pennsylvania, so it's not too far. It's going to be with the full band. Um, I think it's a decent, decent payment, and it's in two weeks, so we have two weeks to relax um i imagine we're probably i think it said we have a 60 minute set so we definitely don't need to write any new music or learn any new music for that show we can just i mean 60 minutes goes by real quick especially with those full band songs that are those are pretty long so i don't think we're gonna have to learn anything new i think we just might need to get together and tighten up, especially, I forget, what's the last show we played? Farm Jam Alama. Yeah, almost, it'll, it'll have been almost two months since we played together um, when we get to Firelight. So we should probably get together and at least go through the 60 minute set and, and tighten things up. But it's nice because we, we've gotten to a point, at least with the current repertoire that we all know, where everybody knows it pretty well and if there's anything that we don't know it's the kind of thing where we can just refresh our memories you know on our own we can just practice them on our own and then when we get together it's pretty much it's good to go um it doesn't work well for writing new stuff but it it works it works perfectly fine for um, playing music that we already know. And I mean, it would probably work if we needed to learn a song, 
but uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna want to have some new music for our next pittsburgh show on black friday in uh at the thunderbird definitely want to have some new songs to play for that show but for firelights i think 60 minutes is a very short time um it's going to be hard to choose what to play already so i feel like we're we're in good shape for that um but yeah, I think that's it. Uh, to sum it up, the Denver-Indianapolis weekend, it was a success. We made it to all the shows. We made it everywhere. Our gear made it everywhere, and no bags were lost. Our gear, No gear got damaged. Um, we, you know, The car was fine. The flights were fine. Everything worked. Um, it was tough because of the... It was a very jam-packed... 48 hours or 36 hours or however many hours very jam-packed had to do some stretches with not a lot of food or sleep i think i lost i lost like seven pounds six or seven pounds when i weighed myself when i got home so now it's time to kind of just replenish relax try to trying to get the studio set up ASAP. Uh, it's pretty much pretty much set up. Everything's set up, all my things are put away, the drums are back up, everything's set up and I'm ready to, you know, the sooner I can get everything set up, the more I can work on music and try to get back into that whole element, which is, you know, the creative process and stuff. I have not had a lot of time to do that this spring and summer. And I'm okay with that for right now because we're really pushing at something new that we haven't done before. So I'm currently, I'm okay. Like that's where my focus is right now. That's where it's been this whole spring and summer is just making sure I'm prepared as well as I can for the shows that are coming up, the imminently approaching shows, which there have been those all spring and summer there's always been a show right around the corner that i felt like i needed to get prepared for and that's what i've been focusing on i'm okay with that for now but i know that having time to immerse get fully immersed in the creative process you know nice swaths of time of days is required for me to really get in the right zone so that is going to be an important balance point that I'm going to have to navigate at some point. But for now, we're putting in putting in the work with the performing, hopefully to lay some groundwork, foundation that we can become selective, more selective with the shows we play, that we can not necessarily play more shows, but just play bigger shows, higher paying shows, higher profile shows, like play with bigger artists. Um, that's kind of, that sounds like my ideal vision. It's not playing more shows because we're, we're playing plenty of shows right now for me. Um, I'd probably like to, probably like it to keep it, you know, 50 or less per year. I don't want to be totally dependent on performing and being on the road and 
just doing that all the time because I know, you know, that, that provides me some fulfillment and happiness and it is an integral part of spreading Chalk Dinosaur and sharing that music with a lot of people. But the thing that really uh, probably brings me the most fulfillment is being immersed in the creative process and really like just producing music and creating sound and you know i know that i'm gonna need time to do that i'm not sure what the balance point will be but you know that's something we're we're gonna have to figure out and i think as long as i can be a good communicator about it and and communicate what what i'm thinking and feeling with everybody involved that everybody will that it's going to work out it's going to work out well because everybody you know everybody supports everybody else and everybody wants this to work so <clears throat> i think the communication will be the key for navigating that you know if it gets to a point where like something is too much or something is i'm unhappy with something or or for some reason something isn't isn't feeling right you know, I think if if I can just keep do a good job of communicating, I think it'll be all right. Because I, like I said, you know, our support, our our manager, booking agent, very supportive. They want they want this to succeed, and you know, they want me to succeed, want the band to succeed, and I think everybody understands that. In order for Success, you know, there has to be sustainability. And so if somebody's not happy with something that's going on, it, you know, needs to be communicated openly so that it can be addressed, so that it can be sustainable. And uh, so far, everything's going great. And um, hopefully, you know, what we did this summer will... It would be very cool to see it pay off next summer, uh, see some progress because we've already seen a lot, but really like we haven't, it ha not enough time has elapsed for the progress, like for what we did this year to see the results of that. Like, I feel like next year will be where we can see like, okay, how did what we did last year pay off? Like, how is this advancing us? Is this working? etc. So very cool. Thank you to everyone who came out in Denver. If you're listening, it was really cool to see some Chalk Dinosaur fans out there. And it was really cool to hear from new fans, new listeners, the people that liked the music. So thank you all for coming out. Thanks, Joe and Nicole, for letting us stay with you in Denver. Um, thanks uh, to the New Conscious staff and owner kurt for being so welcoming and nice to us um and thanks adam for booking us at uh harmony valley adam was the the guy who runs the festival thanks for being so nice to us showing us around thanks for putting us up thanks for all the nice words that everyone that we met there had to say all the people that you know, had a good time at our show. 
all the people that were dancing and just having a good time. That really, that makes me feel good to see. And everyone who had some nice things to say after our set, thank you. And thank you just for listening in general. To everyone out there who listens to the music, thank you so much for for checking it out. Thanks to Rob and Sam for setting us up with, with these shows and for showing us that we can do fly dates now. Um, we have the, the system worked. So, um, yeah, thank, thank you to Nick for doing all these shows and really just being, you know, willing to do anything pretty much that, that we, you know, comes across our, our path. Um, definitely not been a lot of easy situations there have been some pretty challenging ones and um thank you for uh going through those with me and for doing a good a good job and always being willing to prepare and put time and effort into this project with me and um yeah great job and yes now I'm on a thanking spree. I should thank my whole family. I should thank Ben Penegar. Always thank Ben Penegar, no matter what. And I should thank Alyssa. I should thank my fiance Alyssa for being. She really helped me out these past couple couple weeks because it's got. It, it was like August was crazy for me uh, in terms of the performing and the. It's not like we played a million shows, but it was just, it was a lot of shows. A lot of, we played a full band show. We played four or five duo shows, but there's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of other stuff that I needed to do. Um, in addition to the music, like the, the show stuff, had a lot of other music jobs, uh, mixing and music production that I was trying to, I was trying to do a lot of stuff, um, August was super busy and Alyssa really picked up my slack over the last couple weeks, just picking up slack wherever, like I just, uh, you know, like just helping me in any way that I didn't have the, uh, capacity to do at the time, just helping me out with chores and get me things and, just like if I needed something, she got it for me. You know, a lot of days I would not really like, whenever I get super busy, I kind of like stop eating. So she really helped just, she like fed me, made sure I had what I needed. Just really just like picked up all the slack that I was like leaving behind because I was so focused on like trying to get these things done. So thanks Alyssa for for helping me out so much these past two weeks. Um, but yeah, the insane summer is now over for the performing and now we have uh, a little bit of a reprieve here, which is nice. So I'm going to, um, I think I'm going to sign off now and I, I've been avoiding mowing my lawn for weeks and somehow like the grass just kind of stopped growing, which is great. Um, but I really need to get it cut. So I might do that. Um, 
there's yeah gotta get gotta get back to work with some audio production jobs i'm mixing mixing my cousin's album so i need to get get back to work on that oh boy uh definitely yeah i'm doing this like i got hired to produce like a k-pop track just like the instrumental well actually i think i think they wanted me to do vocals too but i don't i need to read i need to talk to them again about that because like all the k-pop i hear is in korean and i don't know that language and i also just feel very not uh able to i don't have like a firm enough grasp of the genre to be able to I, I don't feel confident doing that but the instrumentals i feel like i could you know i could do those but in either case i need to get that track done and um you know i want to i need to start writing some new music you know that's uh that's been weighing on my mind a bit i have that i haven't had a lot of time or i haven't made a lot of time to to just work on chalk dinosaur music there have been just uh so many so many other things that uh end up you know taking my time and attention in all these different directions and a lot of it's you know it's voluntary it's voluntary stuff that i'm trying to trying to do but I was listening to a podcast on the drive home, listening to producer Grizz talking about, you know, you know, he's, you know, doing like 10 hours a day in the studio or something. And so am I, but it's like, I'm not making music for 10 hours. I'm like doing computer stuff that's not music. That's just uh, trying to just a lot of loose ends and like kind of like chores for kind of uh that go along with trying to grow an artist project just a lot of communication social media graphics video processing show recordings organizing social media like youtube and uh the website web maintenance it's uh it's a lot of kind of chore feeling like stuff, but it's all very necessary. I'm trying to figure out how to how to uh what's the word? Delegate effectively, but I I need to like get the tasks crystal clear like what is some like what's a what's a task that I can just hand off and Alyssa's been helping me fulfill merch. Nick's been helping me uh, organize the YouTube channel a little bit. But um, I need uh, I need to I need to organize for myself a clear picture of like what all needs to get done, um, so that I can maybe delegate to more to people who are willing to help. And you know, that starts with me just actually even being able to identify, like, what do I need help with? Because, you know, right now it's like whatever is right in front of my face is like what I need to do. And, you know, there was a time when I was more ahead of these things. And, you know, <clears throat> I've been feel like I've been flying by the seat of my pants this year. So it's like I'm just doing the old whack-a-mole 
just uh, doing stuff as it comes up. Like whatever's whatever's right in front of my face, it's like I need to do that. I need to do that. I need to do that. And you know, there's no foresight, no planning ahead. So one might say that I am planning to fail because I am failing to plan. And uh, we're gonna see if we can uh, turn that around. Now that we uh, we got this little reprieve here, we can relock. Wait, we can re we can regroup, we can reload, we can re-engage. I stole that. I stole that from uh, Jocko Willink. He said he's gonna gonna relock. We gonna reload. We're gonna regroup. We're gonna re-engage. And he said it in a way that was like kind of menacing, like uh, like he meant business. And uh, that's what uh, that's what uh, you know. I would like to uh, I would like to mean business. Okay, that is uh, that is all. I'm really gonna end it now and move on with my day. See, I needed to do a podcast because I love doing the podcast. It's something I would like to do more of, but there's always it's like. Whenever there's like an opportunity to do it, I'm always like, ah, but I could, there's all this other stuff that I need to do. And like, this is going to take like an hour and a half, two hours. So today seemed like a good day because it's still like a re recovery day a bit, you know, getting back in the swing of just normal stuff. So thank you all for listening to the podcast. Check out the new album, Punch Funk Love. Um, and yeah, hope you enjoy the rest of your summer and your Labor Day weekend, which is coming up. And uh, see y'all later. <laughs>